All right, before we get started with this podcast, we need to talk about something. Friends, it, it feels like the whole world can literally change for the worse overnight. You're following the news stories. With what's likely coming for our country, there is one thing you should do, and that's prepare. When you're more self-reliant, you're closer to freedom from any national crisis or job loss or economic downturn. But where do you start, and who can you trust? Let me make this clear. Building an emergency food supply to feed yourself and your family is a wise first step. And our friends at My Patriot Supply will help you prepare. Get four weeks emergency food supply for only $99, shipped free. That's 140 adult servings of easy to prepare food order today 888-457-3453 888-457-3453 or go online at preparewithcr.com that's preparewithcr.com build your emergency food supply for only $99 limit two units per caller 888-457-3453 or online at preparewithcr.com that's 888-457-3453 or at preparewithcr.com. All right, now let's get to the podcast. We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. Coming this December, it's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV, and you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to CRTV.com and sign up today. Levin, Malkin, Stein, all for $89 a year. If you go to CRTV.com today and use the promo code DACE. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. We're underway here. Before you get started with your weekend on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. So, here we are. Have we just had the October surprises of October surprises? Or is the race such a foregone conclusion that it doesn't matter? As we get into what we know or think we know so far about the bombshell from FBI Director James Comey earlier this afternoon and its political ramifications, I think we need to sort of set the stage of where the race was before all of this. Essentially, Hillary Clinton was in a position of strength, very very similar to Obama 2008, her husband 1996. She was looking at coasting to a victory somewhere in that range. Uh, she woke up this morning at about 80% likely to win. 
at the 538 forecast. And, and, and 538 actually has probably been more bullish on Trump's chances than a lot of these statistical um, uh, data analysis uh, projections have been. Larry uh, Sabato's crystal ball at uh, the University of Virginia had her winning well over 350 electoral college votes. This looked like she was going to coast. Um, and now we have this news. Now, about 10% of the vote is in. Now, why are we starting with the political aspect of this? Because we don't really know the truth. And we won't know until G- Director Comey speaks again publicly. And that may not be before this election. And, and one of the things we learned is even after he speaks, we may not know the truth. Because the impression that a lot of us got this summer when he had his previous press conference on this on the dog and pony show he did on this a few months ago was this was the end we've decided not to indict and we've moved on right did you guys get the impression this thing was closed of course yeah well the fbi has said today this investigation was never officially closed this is just ongoing and this is new new evidence that came out today so with 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 that in mind we don't really know what the facts are we don't. We don't really know what the criminality here may be. All we can actually do is speculate on what it, what is, is happening here, and, and we'll do so on this show as responsibly as we can, but also to take a look at the political fallout. I think we can much more measure that than we can the criminality or lack thereof. So you look at where the race was. As, as early as 12 hours ago, Hillary Clinton looked like she was coasting to victory. By every measure of this campaign. In fact, uh, the Trump campaign released a, a very embarrassing campaign finance disclosure last night, the last one before the election, which found that uh, he by far has the least amount of cash on hand down the stretch of any Republican nominee in recent memory. That uh, at, despite sending out fundraising pleas that he would triple match whatever you donated to him in October, he'd only given the campaign 30 grand. And that was only in-kind contributions and that they, they didn't raise a dime for the RNC. So when that narrative came out last night, politically, that narrative was what? Well, Trump realizes the writing's on the wall. He's not going to spend good money after bad. So he's essentially given up. So that was that. I think it's important to know this is all the stuff that was being talked about just 12 hours ago so that we can truly get an idea of, of what impact, if any, this will have. I think we should also note that even if the media did its job, and I have a hard time believing that it will, but, but let's just say they did its job and they covered this wall-to-wall all weekend long, the amount of people that are going to see that on a holiday weekend is, is nothing close to the amount of people that watched all three debates, and we saw uh, Hillary's numbers go up substantially after all three of the debates and Trump's go down. So with that being said, and and 10 days to go now until people vote, and with about 10% of the vote in, over 13 million people around the country have already voted. That's about 10% of the turnout in 2012, which was 130 million people. So with that is the backdrop now. Kim is here with us. So tonight it's ladies and gentlemen, because it's a day group Friday next hour. So with that now, as I've set the scene here, I want to go around the room here quickly and, and we'll get into some of the facts and things of that nature that we do know so far, or think we know. But the polit- the, where this could put politically land on the Richter scale over the next 10 days, Aaron, I'll start with you. Um, I'm, I don't think this will have much of an impact at all uh, because it's hitting on a weekend. People are not going to pay attention to it, I don't think, as much. And Clinton already has such a large lead. There's maybe, maybe there's a chance that the uh, end result could be a little bit closer, but there's just, I mean, the waters, I mean, this is all water under the bridge at this point. It all depends on whether this is yet more 
paint by numbers, or as I'm very fond of saying, the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. If you have enough FBI agents who have just said, I am done with this, this uh, woman is guilty, uh, we have to prosecute it if justice is in fact blind, and we're going to do it. And they and they pressured uh, Comey. I, who knows with what? How they did it? If if that happened, and it, we know that every court case is about. This is why we go watch movies and about lawyers who can really orate because it's about a, a presentation as much as anything else. If this isn't paid by numbers and they come out and it is damning and it is scathing and it is intense and it is unavoidable even for the press. Well, then, game changer. Kim. You know what I think is interesting is that it's being reported that the House and the and um, the Senate Judiciary Committees had no idea this was coming. Completely off guard. Um, and then the other aspect is just, what does it mean that these emails are pertinent? I, I want to know what that is so I can I can tell what kind of an impact we're going to have if on If what that. she just said is true, I, that's huge to me, if they, that it, they it, were blindsided by this. Yeah. Is the, again, that speaks to what I'm saying. These are some people in the FBI going J. Edgar Hoover, and they're just like, we're going to get something done here. Pete Williams, a longtime investigative reporter at NBC News, reported earlier today um, that, as we pointed out a few minutes ago, this is not a reopening of this case. The case was never officially closed, um, which... When you stop and think about it, the Republicans could have ran this entire campaign on Hillary Clinton is under investigation. <laughs> but it certainly looked to me like it, that, that, that sounded to me like a closed case when he gave that press conference. I, I would think 99 and 9.99% of people that watched that press conference did not think it was a mere technicality that the case was closed, but we'll go with it. He also reports that Comey's letter was sent to Capitol Hill today out of, quote, an abundance of caution to be extra thorough, unquote. There is no sense that Pete Williams also says this is not about withholding of evidence or that, that these were actually new emails discovered on another device. All right. So this is nothing and that that uh, that the FBI is adamant. This is not about WikiLeaks. This is not about the Podesta stuff. This isn't some Russian hack job that essentially another device of Hillary Clinton's was found that was not turned over to the feds. And and that's what prompted this letter. And since, as you pointed out, Kim, no heads up whatsoever uh, to the Judiciary Committees on Capitol Hill, you've got to think that maybe this thing turned up. And now we're and let's be clear, we're now into speculation mode. And so, you know, let's let's try to be as um, as judicious, pardon the, the pun, as we possibly can. But with no heads up and it doesn't appear that the Clinton people received any heads up about this either. So with no heads up with either party and then this letter shows up that's very, very specifically, but generally worded at the exact same time. I wonder if this was a device that literally they just came upon. Well, let me let me lay this out. Do you think what I'm a, tell me if you guys think what I'm about to lay out is a plausible theory of what happened here? A device that the Clintons did not turn over was discovered relatively recently. Recently could mean yesterday, the day before last week. But so relatively recently, a device was turned over that was found to have had some of the kinds of emails that were under investigation before, and the Clintons did not originally turn it over. Of course, that would beg the question: Then how was it found? Did the Clintons turn it over late? I think we all know the chances of the Clintons deciding to turn something over late. 
transparency and the Clintons are antonyms, not synonyms. Okay, so that begs the question, therefore, then how was it found? Because I don't think we does anybody think the Clintons would have voluntarily turned over this device? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. So with that being stipulated to that means, therefore, this was this was garnered independently of the Clintons. We I think we would all stipulate to that, don't you think? Yes. All right. So which would which would create some reason for abundance of caution in and of itself? Regardless of what emails are on there, wouldn't you say? The fact that there was another device that was not handed over when Hillary said we handed everything over, in and of itself, doesn't that create some need to investigate it just by itself? Yes or no? Oh, yeah. I would say just that by itself. Wouldn't you think so? Not necessarily. All right. Well, then let me go to point B because that might make my case. If you're Comey, and even if you've looked at those things, you don't think there's anything there that we haven't already talked about. If you already had, and I said this on MSNBC earlier today, if you had not one but two FBI field offices go to the Justice Department months ago and say, this should be investigated, and they were rebuffed both times. If, you, if you're if you Comey, as bad as this story may be politically for Hillary, it would be even worse if two or three days from now we had FBI agents come out and say, you know, we found this device and he wouldn't investigate it. You know, That would be an even worse narrative in terms of impacting the election than this would be. I want to get you guys' take on that when we return. You're listening to Steve Dace. Hunting rhinos into extinction. The Steve Day Show. All right, let's get right back into it. All right, so the scenario I laid out, you, you can't believe the Clintons independently of themselves volunteered this new device that the FBI says they have with emails similar to the original investigation, which means it was procured by another means, which means they found it on their own or somebody turned it in, which right away create some suspicion. Let's say Director Comey took a look at those emails and found, yeah, there's some stuff in there that's, that's, uh, that's you know, would, we wouldn't want to see a Secretary of State sharing, but it's in line with all the other emails we have pointed out. There's 11 days to go before the election. There's no need to inject ourselves into it. Well, if you've already had multiple FBI field offices rebuffed by the Justice Department that wanted to investigate this previously, it would be as, as politically damaging as this could be right now. Do you guys think it would be more damaging if we found out, say, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, that there was an FBI whistleblower or two who says, you know what, man, that's you want to know. You guys want to know how fixed this was? We found another device that Secretary Clinton didn't didn't tell us was there. Comey wouldn't even look at it, man, wouldn't even read it, wouldn't even talk about it, wouldn't even inform, didn't form the House and Senate panel, Judiciary Committees. Is he in contempt of Congress for not doing that, when he, for not disclosing that? How damaged would that story, regardless of what's on that device, I maintain that story, as bad as this could potentially be. That story a few days from now of FBI people coming out and saying this thing was fixed all from the very beginning, he wouldn't even look at it. I think whatever you think this today registers on the Richter scale, I think that story is a is San Francisco earthquake monsoon in the South Pacific kind of a story. Wrong or right, what do you think? Well, that would presuppose, though, that uh, they would have uh, given um, Hillary Clinton a few days extra notice, though, wouldn't they? I mean, that would have created uh, some extra buffer time between uh, discovery or what discovery of this additional device. Not if they've been in the scenario I'm painting here and they have been jockeying back and forth. 
He's been, his agents have brought this to him, and he's like, I don't think it's a big deal. It's what it's not any different. It's not any different than what we were already what we did this past summer. Mm-hmm. And if I talk about this now, it's going to get blown up because the election is in a week and a half. True, which we which we we've seen all day today. But if as much as it got blown up today, imagine if he had said if he had rebuffed his agents after they had been rebuffed before. And then, and then people, because we were amazed last summer, we sat here, we could not believe nobody resigned, nobody whistle blew on this. What if he does it again, and this time somebody does? And now it's two or three days closer to the election. And now it, it, it's the, the narrative is, he argued with his own, his own agents about this, and the narrative becomes, Comey wouldn't even, he was such a political hack, he wouldn't even look at this. He wouldn't even give it an abundance of caution, and if there's nothing to hide, why not inform us? I, th- I maintain... Yeah, that and, would be that would be, and that that's a nuclear bomb. You you make a very good case with that. I'm I'm dead serious, uh, but at the same time, I'm just I'm I'm trying to think what mainstream media outlet would actually cover that. I mean, yeah, conservative media would be, or right of center media would be all over this. But uh, this close to the election, I'm I'm I mean I mean I guess I haven't been watching TV as much today, but uh, I just wonder how much they would cover it. Todd, your thoughts? Well. You know I agree with you. And it also depends on what the same old stuff is. This device may have been had all along, but we have to we we can't take this out of the context of what we actually know. Within the last week we found out from WikiLeaks that uh, President uh, President Obama's cabinet is uh, talked about we need to get this under control, tap this down. What did he know? When did he know it? Now they may have known that all along, but not a, there wasn't enough of a smoking gun. And why bring this out? Well, it's out now. And soon there might be FBI agents out there, like you said. That like this thing is uncontrollable, and they have reached the point where they don't want to be a, a part of. They're not. They're just not going to go down like that. Yes, they're uh, men in trench coats, and they're used to keeping things stamped down. But sooner or later, the smart people will say, "Man, no way. This thing is a mushroom cloud. It is going to explode." So you are absolutely right. But the new phone, this phone or this device or whatever in your scenario, almost certainly has been had all along. It's about their rationalizations and their motivations for why they come forward not anything really new coming along that part i don't believe well i want to i want to do some um redirecting back to the actual letter um james comey says he, re- he refers to his testimony and he says that um i referred to um that i had completed the investigation of former secretary clinton's personal email server so right there in the letter he was saying it was completed that's what i testified to and then the next paragraph goes on to say in connection to an unrelated case so we don't even know what that investigation is we don't know if it's another device or anything like that so let's talk about the political fallout from this in light of where this race is at and I saw uh, somebody on Twitter say earlier today, women that Trump has harassed and assaulted are going to start falling from the skies like like the, like bombs on the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. Right. All right. So he wins the Internet today. <laughs> yes. All right. Is this is this a game changer? Or do we not know? Kim, I don't think we know yet. We're going to have to wait and see what is that pertinent information. What is the? I want to know why James Comey did this. It's compelling your argument that he's doing it, so he's covering. It's a CYA. Um, I want to know what else is in there. Yeah, I wish I could say something more forceful, but I, we we absolutely need to know more. And if this, if, let's see, if if this is James Comey playing lead, 
then it isn't a game changer. If this is James Comey having his hand forced, it is a game changer. I, after talking about this or uh, hearing a talk about this for the last uh, 20 minutes, I could be talked into thinking that this is a game changer. Um, but uh, I agree with Todd. If, if he's got his hand for, forced, then yeah, maybe it could be. If not, then... Then no, but at this point, I I don't I can't see how many how many other people how many voters who haven't voted yet or are still undecided are going to spend twenty minutes thinking about this this weekend. This weekend, I don't think there'll be many people taking a look at it. But I think I think what the debate comes what happens a little bit later on. Uh, how much does this how much does this impact the news cycle going forward? So let's let's. Let's play a game. I am I. My cynicism tells me that we may not have this investigation into this new evidence wrapped up in the next in ten days. <laughs> Forgive me my total depravity, but let's say I'm wrong. Uh, let's let's say let's say two scenarios between now and election day. Director Comey rec- recommends indictment. What happens? Uh. Go ahead, Todd. Well, Trump will get in the way. He'll probably <laughs> shoot himself in the foot is what will happen, but um, it, that would be a game changer. Well, it's it's not going to impact the vote of leftists. They, they, they'll probably go vote for somebody under indictment. That That's not a problem to them. Plus, as you, you've already talked about the uh, early voting, the numbers, if there's ever been an argument, and there's many good arguments, that uh, early voting is immoral and it, it, it unconstitutional. This is just exhibit five thousand ten hundred and so I it's it's something, it could very well be a smoking gun, but in the face of that, in people who really have no moral center, it still may not matter. Aaron I, I have to agree with that as well. And uh, if there is an indictment, I think it'll be mass hysteria. I think uh, the only thing it will guarantee, though, is that for sure we will have the least turnout in any election in modern era. Well, the more likely scenario is we get nothing formally finalized between now and Election Day. Let's just discuss what happens if that occurs next. You're listening to Steve Dace. Don't blame us. He went to public school. This is Steve Dace. All right, so we've already discussed. I'm with Kim. I think if there was an indictment, I think that would be a... You know, we've had this... This election has been a race between corrupt and crazy the entire time. And I've maintained all along, people will take corrupt over crazy. Corrupt may cost them a job, may cost them more money on, on April the 15th. But corruption, but crazy is when people think they wake up one morning and we're going we're gonna to send nuke subs to Pyongyang because Trump got trolled on Twitter last night. But when you have an existential level of corrupt this late into the process, it's like rubbing people's noses in it at the end. As if people needed just like one more reason to say, you know what, and the horse you rode in on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think that an indictment could, would, would absolutely be a game changer. Uh, I don't think there's much question about that. I, that still doesn't mean, by the way, I think Trump would win. I think the odds would increase, though, substantially. I agree. All right? That's where I'm at. Here's the most likely scenario, that we get nothing definitive on this between now and Election Day. One way or the other. 
So let's say that is the case. Let's game plan that out now. Group, no definitive word. These are the only words James Comey speaks between now and November the 8th. I, what happens? I, I don't think um, I don't think the results as they look right now are going to be uh, much difference uh, di- different. I just I, I can't think that um, the mainstream media outlets, uh, who for some reason most of America still pays attention to, I just don't think that they'll cover it enough to make much of a difference in the long run. And then uh, if it does break, if she is indicted after she takes the oath of office, then. Hey Republicans, there's your chance to um, there's your chance to actually uh, throw her out, but uh, I don't think anybody's confident in that happening either. Yeah, you're going to have this weekend, and like you said, an assortment of stories about women accusing Donald and the beautiful leaves turning wonderful colors of orange and red in mm-hmm. the news. There's there's going to be no there there as far as this press is concerned. I think that Trump supporters are not going to let this go. And so it's going to revolve around again. You know, the big question again was, will you turn over the power peacefully? Will you say that this election is legitimate? And I think that question is going to be raised in the minds of the Trump supporters. And it's just going to be a fireball. That's not going to go away. They're going to the media is going to have to look at it. I disagree with that completely. I, I, you don't think crazy no, like that? No, is going I don't to, think I think, in fact, I think that crazy would actually help the media. They've been banking on that the entire time. I mean, since that's the, day the dialogue they elevated that's going to happen, is Trump, what I'm I, saying. Most people right and left think Trump is a clown show. I, I don't think him or his rhetoric are driving this on any level at all. This te- I think I really... I, that's why I'm saying it's not going to go away. Well, this is going to be the, the, here, here, the big here, issue. Okay. Here's how, but here, what the, all that means is Andrew Napolitano, poor guy, still has to do two more weeks of six stand-ups on Fox a day talking right. about Hillary's emails, like he's done the last three damn years. That and and the same people will watch. And I say this, I'm a fan of of, judge, of the judge, right? But the, but the same people will watch that 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 just reinforces preconceived notions. That that's not a political game changer. To me, the political game changer potential is the guy who closed the investigation. Apparently, they're saying that he didn't. Coming out saying, well, we're actually going to reopen it that's the game changer i don't think to me trump's trump's the guy yelling fire in a crowded theater he's the sports talk radio host that fires the coach after every loss and then when the coach actually sucks nobody but nobody listens to him when, when it's time to actually fire him i mean he so he's a gadfly i don't think him and his minions are driving this train at all i think it's i think legit fear of a revolt in-house, whistleblowers in-house who would say, enough. We looked the other way, and now and now we find out again that they didn't even keep their word. We let them come in with their lawyers. Stop and think about this for a second. We let them come in with their lawyers, who were also under investigation, some of the people we let her come in with. And we gave a bunch of people immunity. We gave them immunity. We bent over backwards. We did things, let's face it, we would not have done if there was an R after her name. And now we find out that even after we did all of that and we swallowed an extreme load of bile because we've put people in prison for what Hillary is accused of. And now you're telling me that at the, at the last minute we find another device? It's, it's, like they don't, it's like they're flipping us off. It's like they're mocking us. They're laughing at us. It's one thing to be a corrupt FBI. It's another thing to be a laughing stock. It's another thing to be just, just have your pants pulled down in full view. If this ever comes out that we had this and we didn't say anything, we're all dead. We're never working again. We're going to need either food tasters or we're going to wonder, what does it look like working private security detail in Bangladesh in the summer? So we have to do something about this. Otherwise, And if you don't, 
James, if you don't, I'm, I'm, I'm calling somebody up. And it won't be Fox News. I'm calling, or Drudge, I'm calling somebody at ABC or CBS that I know is a straight shooter. I'll find that one person, and I'm calling them and blowing the whistle on this. I think that's what happened here. And there still are enough people out in the press that will put aside any notion of allegiance to the the CBS bias. Yeah, they will. I agree. There's not many, but there are still some. You're listening to Steve Dace. This is the show your atheist college professor warned you about. This is Steve Dace. And this is the segment we warn you about each and every week where pretty much everything we fight for and stand for the rest of the week on this show is ejected for at least the next 10 minutes. Because we find out just how far down the rabbit hole goes, just how black hole the black hole is. It's this week's sign. The apocalypse is upon us. And with this week's worst of our worst, we present our very own Aaron. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Steve. Uh, This is courtesy of Ben Shapiro at The Daily Wire. Uh, Last Friday, Meredith Isaacson, a poet and English teacher at Berkeley City College, wrote a column in The New York Times about why she had her unborn child killed at 22 weeks old. It's nearly six months into pregnancy. According to Isaacson, she and her husband found out that, quote, our second little boy was missing half a heart. It had stopped growing correctly in around five weeks gestation, but the abnormality was not detectable until the 20-week anatomy scan. What does this mean for chances of survival? Isaacson writes, quote, it was very unlikely that our baby would survive delivery, and if he did, he would ultimately need a heart transplant. So instead, Isaacson decided to have the baby aborted. Typically, there are two procedures, Shapiro writes, used in late-term abortions, dilation and evacuation, or dilation and extraction. In a dilation and evacuation, the baby may be given a lethal injection to kill it. Sometimes injections are not used. Then the doctor uses a curette or a forceps to carve up the child's body and remove it from the womb piece by piece. But here's how AmericanPregnancy.org describes the procedure. The fetus is rotated and forceps are used to grasp and pull the legs, shoulders, and arms through the birth canal. A small incision is made at the base of the skull to allow the suction catheter inside. Now here is how Isaacson describes the abortion. She says, quote, As the day of my termination approached and I felt my baby's kicks and wiggles, I simultaneously wanted to crawl out of my skin and suspend us in time together. I wanted him to know how important he was to me, that the well of my grief and love for him would stretch deeper and deeper into the vastness of our family's small yet limitless life. He may have moved inside me for only five months, but he had touched and shaped me in ways I could have never imagined. Shapiro writes, euphemisms always euphemisms. If the child was that important to her, perhaps she would have given him the chance to live. Isaacson goes on to list her justifications, and she has lots of them. She says, quote, Such politicians would have you believe that women like me shouldn't be able to make the choice I made, that our baby, despite his tiny, tiny misshapen heart and non-existent aorta, should have a chance, quote-unquote, to live, even though that life might have lasted mere minutes. 
even though that life would have been excruciatingly painful. These politicians are ignorant of the sacrifices and blessings that come with carrying a pregnancy, let alone a non-viable pregnancy. Mothers claiming it makes them a better mother to abort their children are this week's sign of the apocalypse. As we have allowed consciences to be seared with this issue, because we have spent most of our time the last couple of decades as a movement attempting to, uh, attempting to go after infanticide at the very end of the argument. At what point is it okay to kill this kid? Right? We spent years trying to ban partial birth late-term abortions, and they're not banned. We, all we did was spend years getting rid of one method of conducting them, but uh, there's all kinds of other methods uh, that you can conduct these with. So even, even in our so-called great victory, we didn't win anything substantively. But because we spent all this time trying to argue this from the, from, from, from the, from the, from the back end, from the outcome, we never argued this from the premise. And I have maintained throughout my career, that's where the argument needs to be won. What is life and when does it begin? And who gets to determine that? However, Todd, Kim, and Aaron, the longer we go not making that argument, the more stories like this we will see, where consciences will be so seared that we can't win even that argument now because people will just simply more along the lines of, yeah, you're right. It's a life. I, I still didn't want it anyway. And, so what? And what are you going to do about it? And, and not only does it become go from being an amoral decision, this this woman is making out to be this is the most one of the most moral decisions I've made in my life. It goes from um, tipping, having the chance to tip in favor of a pro-life view to going completely and uh, completely and utterly contrary to it. You know, and I was thinking about when I was in the legislature and we did the life at conception and we wanted to get that argument started again. And it was on the front page of the Des Moines Register. I think you remember that, don't you, Todd? Um, It said life begins at conception. I don't. Well, and it was like the front, it was the headline. And I know some of the the Christian leaders were like, we've never had that before. We've never had that argument in, in the, um, in the public square. And, and I think, you know, clearly the leadership of the Republican Party killed that bill, but um, that's the argument we need to have. We need to go back to that. And, wh- and why do we need to have that argument? Because the other side's position is indefensible. You, you, you can't, once you actually get down and answer the question, what is it, what is a human life? When does it begin? You have to answer when, does, when it begins and who gets deci- to decide uh, both of those factors. And when you get down to it, when uh, you know, science is on our side, uh, when uh, with all of the technology and all the research that's gone into pregnancy, of course, over the course of decades, this is an issue that we quite frankly should have won decades ago. Uh, but we're still arguing it to this day. Well, he, it has been won intellectually. It it has it, it, we've we've cornered uh, the secular left on this. The argument has won on that level. They don't care. That's that true. is they, true. That's the real problem. The, the, the people of reason and science don't really care about reason and science on this front. So if, if you are left to deal with that, then it, ultimately you have to take it to the the next level where where we, you know, the people of uh, you know, we just want to go. We want to be left alone. Are are we willing to be the protesters out on the sidewalk instead of just the five who are always out there in the cold? You know, what is the next step? 
we have to expose the depravity. When you say that they don't care, that's absolutely true. And so I have several emails that people sent to me like, I don't even care. I will kill. The most perfect human being ever created is the mother of God. And until we embrace that calling, uh, all hope is lost. If we were kill, if we, we kill inside uh, what's inside us, we are killing ourselves. That's it. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. have to have all the answers, but you do have to know where to find them. The Steve Day Show. By the way, we were talking earlier, Todd, that there are still some people, even in the mainstream liberal media, that are interested in muckraking more than in being mouthpieces. Not as many as there used to be, but there are still some. Well, case in point, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got this theory we've been talking about with the, this, the Comey story and the Clinton emails that broke today. There is an alternative angle to this that would blow my entire theory out of the water. And ironically, it is reporting done by, wait for it, wait for it, the New York Times. Keep in mind, remember the news source that originally broke the story of this email server with Hillary Clinton was the New York Times way back when. The New York Times reported earlier today that their sources are telling them, their sources within federal law enforcement are telling them, that what, what prompted this action from Comey was, they think, may not have been the lack of disclosure from the Clintons of this, of this new device. But rather, the FBI seized electronic devices belonging to Huma Abedin, who is Hillary's personal aide, and her husband, Anthony Weiner. Uh. You if, couldn't pay me enough okay, to investigate that the, the, device. The, the, this is the greatest story ever told. I'm right. coming for you, Harambe. I'll be there soon. Now, forget for a moment the delicious irony of seeing the Clintons being brought down by a wiener. No, you can't make me. All right? No. As, as oh my gosh. <laughs> I won't forget it. Oh. I've earned this. We deserve this, Smod. Don't you dare take this away from us when now. Are, when are we installing that shower in the studio, Steve? If you not help me, Jobu, I say screw you, Jobu. Screw you. This is this belongs to us. We're not letting it go. You now all have my permission to idolatrize. All right? You may now idolatry this story. You may clutch it. The precious. The precious. You may, as dark and terrible as the dawn, you have my permission to put this ring on. We need this. America needs this story more than it's needed anything in a long time. It needs to see the Clintons brought down by a wiener. We need this. My weekend just went into full bender mode. It's excellent. I'm ready, Lord. Rapture now. I just, I needed to see the Clintons get justice one time. One time, me. One time, me. And lo and behold... This all appears, if the New York Times reporting on this is accurate, that this is because of Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin. Your thoughts on that? Well, what Anthony Weiner's role in in pointing this out versus them just tripping across it, it makes me curious because how could a guy like Anthony Weiner, 
rehabilitate himself. Perhaps by bringing down somebody who's hated as much or more than him, Hillary Clinton. This is remarkable, man. Kim? That would be inadvertent. There's no way he did this on purpose. I think uh, from Bill Clinton to Hillary Clinton, we've come full wiener in 2016. Hour 2 is next. You're listening to Steve Dace. to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Friday, we're back with Hour 2 here of the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. We will get to some of the feedback that you have sent to us a little bit later on. But since this is Hour 2 on a Friday night, you know what that means. With a tip of the cap... And an homage to the late, great John McLaughlin. This is the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue one, deliverance approaches. November 8th is fast approaching, and both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump continued to hit the campaign trail this week. Hillary Clinton was at Wake Forest University in North Carolina campaigning with First Lady Michelle Obama as they tried to close the deal with a demographic she's not done very well with. This may be one of the most, if not the most, important elections of our lifetimes, no matter our age, but for young people, it will be so consequential because every election is about the future. And this one is about whether we build on the progress we've made, the legacy that President Obama has built, or rip it away and go backwards. At the grand opening of his new hotel in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump told CNN he's actually winning the race. I really think that we're going to have a tremendous victory. And you know what? If I didn't think that, I wouldn't say it. I'd say, well, we're going to be fighting hard. Now, we will be fighting hard, but I believe we're winning. I actually think we're winning. I don't even think it's a question of we're going to try and win. You start looking at the polls, what's happening, and more importantly, start looking at all the people going to vote and sending in their ballots. We're way ahead on virtually every state, every area, and I think we're going to have a great victory. The polls don't match what Trump is saying. However, as of this morning, the Real Clear Politics polling average has Clinton with a 5.2 point lead on Donald Trump. Compare that to where the race was with 10 days to go four years ago. President Obama had just a 0.9 point lead on Mitt Romney. And when you factor in red states where Trump is underperforming, like Arizona, Georgia, and even Texas, it continues to look like disaster at the top of the ticket for Republicans. First question, we are 10 days now away from the election. Is there any more drama to be had in the presidential race? Kim, I ask you. You know, I see it all as kind of this um, faux drama. 
You know, and I actually be- I actually agree with Howard Stern when he said, look, Republicans, you knew who Donald Trump was all along. So, you know, quit playing this game um, that you don't know that he would be like this. And this is the person that you, um, you know, you you nominated. So I'm going to say it's going to continue this the, the faux drama of, you know, the polls tightening and more WikiLeaks and, um, you know, Trump thinking he's going to win a tremendous victory bigly, you know, it's it's the same old stuff that's going to happen. Todd? Well, considering we probably won't be getting the commercials about Hillary that we should be getting because Donald is just not going to spend money on that sort of thing, folks like Lou Dobbs are going to have to pick up the slack. So I think that's where you can count on some definite drama. He just you know, I mean dropping the Mormon mafia of oh, just vomit, just vomiting out. I, I all mean, just who, of nonsense. who does that? Can you guys tell me when did we start talking like this? And I guess when I say we, but those of us who supposedly are on the right, of, uh, right of center side of this of this conversation, do you know when we started using when we since, started talking like since this? we allowed yeah. uh, alt right uh, racists and nationalists to uh, take over our uh, idol, which would be the Republican Party? I think that's when uh, people started talking like this. Uh, I would say... Uh, Hold on, did you want to finish your point, Todd? I interrupted. Todd, I apologize. No, I, well, I, I think this is what turning your hatred of Hillary Clinton into an idol does to you. It, it, it excuses all manner of things in the name of what you perceive to be a righteous cause. When, you know, Hillary Clinton is, is a lot of things, uh, but I don't think she's quite at the level of... Uh, Hitler and Stalin, that in, in terms of being that clear and, and, and now, as soon as I come out of my head, oh my God, yours and you you promoting Hillary Clinton. No, I'm just like you know you can't. It, your hatred is turning you into an absolute baboon. That's that's a bigger problem, really, and it doing that writ large across the American landscape. And the things I've heard again immediately come out of Christian's mouth in defense of her after the grabbing the genitals comment. These are I've heard it from mothers of young daughters, and like, well, you know, Hillary's just awful. I th- that is a way bigger problem to me than Hillary in the White House for four years. To your point, Todd, I've said it once, and I'll probably say it again, that uh, this election, especially as it pertains to Donald Trump, has uh, forced me to take another look at Darwinian evolution because this is basically just the homo sapien equivalent of fleeing feces at each other. But I, I think there can all definitely be more drama before between now and the election, uh, because uh, things can always get worse. And 2016 is the year that uh, can always uh, get worse. Will this drama have any impact on the race? Of course not. The writing's on the wall. I think that's that's pretty obvious at this point. But I think there's there's always going to be something. What would that something be? Earlier today, the FBI announced they're going to reopen the investigation into her emails. I can't imagine anything if given the way that they. Uh, punted on this several months ago when they could have done something that would ha- that would have shown that they actually did their job that still would have given the presidential election time to play itself out when was this may or june when comey had that that press conference right does anybody really believe in the next 10 days they're going to come forward to the same exact fbi under the justice department of obama is going to come forward with some kind of bombshell of any sort whatsoever between now and november the 8th well there's obvious we've learned from hillary donating through Podesta to the family of an FBI member or something like that. But, Steve, you mentioned a while back that you thought, you know, that there you was there no professional pride even amongst a small cadre of FBI agents? 
and, and looking back on it, maybe just if there's enough of them with enough power, and to, they, they could have just they could have been so fed up with the Clintons that they might have sat on this knowing that she was going to become president of the United States and wanted to take her out then instead of earlier. I would have thought I was wearing a tinfoil hat if I suggested such a thing just a matter of months ago. I don't. I think that's as realistic as just about anything. At this what, this, point. So this is an attempt to damage her looming presidency. Is that what you're thinking? You know, if uh, among, if there's a small enough cadre of powerful people, no, that's what I'm asking you. Yeah, yes, yes, that's what you're saying. All right, so so since they didn't do their job in the spring, heading into her likely victory here in 11 days, now they're they're going to try to get ahead of the narrative. Is what is what you're saying? Poss- possibly. All right. So Kim, what do you think? You hang out at those kooky conspiratorial libertarian <laughs> sites? You, you buying any of that? Um. You wish that they had the political will to do that. No way. This is just going to be, um, yeah, we looked at it again, and we're still right. There's there's nothing to see here. That would be something. I, I cannot. Um, now, as much as I can't imagine Aaron then coming out with something in the next 10 days that would alter the outcome of this election, even if they had it, mm-hmm. I don't think they would. I think it's even less likely. I can't even imagine they would do it, that they would do a second dog and pony show like they did earlier this uh, late spring early summer with comey that they would i can't imagine that they would do that do you uh no and i tend to agree with kim and i i wish that um todd's theory was right and, and maybe it end up uh, maybe it will end up um being proved uh, right in maybe some ways but yeah this thing is i mean this thing is over and we're talking about and when i when i say there could be more drama okay we're talking about the clintons and trump here I mean, just use your imagination. It could be anything on any given day. Uh, I don't think we have to limit it to emails or uh, Trump, you know, uh, trying to grope more women or something of that nature. It, it could be anything. Oh, I think you can count on getting. I think that whatever whatever odds there were, we were going to get more of those sto- kinds of stories. I think with the news from the FBI earlier today, don't you think that that exponentially compounds we're going to get more of those stories for the next yeah, 10 I'm not, days. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we're not. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be limited to that because of the people that we're talking to. I thought you were going to say you can count on we're going to get groped. I mean, that's where I thought you were going with that. I was like, what is he going well, to say? Well, uh, that... You know what? It's like, instead of a I'm, kissing booth, a groping booth? <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave that there because... Oh, Anything from this point forward would get, said would get me in trouble, yes. so we're just going to let it go. Okay, Exit let it go. question. What has the greater odds? That Trump TV will flame out in four years or Hillary Clinton will be impeached in the next four years. What has the greater odds, Kim? Well, we don't have the political will to impeach Hillary Clinton, so it's going to have to go with a Trump flame out. I agree. Trump flame out. Uh, Trump TV flame out. I disagree. I, I'm, going, I'm going triple Corso, not so fast, my friend. I, I think the cult is strong with this one. I, I think, I think there. I think you can prop his dead carcass up beside the jukebox, and there's going to be a half million people paying the Trumps nine ninety nine a month for Trump TV. I think because of actually what Todd said, which I, I did double reverse psychology on earlier, that it's much more likely she would be impeached in the next four years. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. 
This is the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue two. To hold or not to hold? In the battle to hold on to the Senate for Republicans, some key races are very tight. In Illinois, Senator Mark Kirk is losing to his Democratic opponent, Tammy Duckworth, in every poll conducted from that state in the last month and a half. Both Kirk and Duckworth have similar F grades on Conservative Review's Liberty Scorecard. In Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson is also in a very tight spot. He's losing to his challenger, Russ Feingold, in the RCP average by over six points. Senator Johnson also has an F in the Liberty Scorecard. In New Hampshire, Republican Senator Kelly I is in a close race with her competitor Maggie Hassan, the current governor of that state. The last four polls conducted of that race this month have it as a tie or a very close victory for Kelly Ayotte. Senator Ayotte has an F on the Liberty scorecard. The Indiana Senate race between Republican Representative Todd Young and former Democratic Senator Evan Bayh is tighter than expected. Bayh holds just a 3.7 point lead. Representative Young also has an F on the Liberty scorecard. And in Pennsylvania, incumbent Senator Pat Toomey holds a 1.3 point lead over Democratic challenger Kathleen McGinty. Senator Toomey has a D on the Liberty Scorecard. Those five competitive seats could mean the difference between a divided Congress and a Congress with the potential to stop Hillary Clinton's agenda. So first question, Todd, I'll start with you. What, if, what in your mind are the pros and cons of having the Republicans keep control of the Senate? Do you agree with our peer at Conservative Review, Daniel Horowitz, that we, with, given these candidates, we might be better off if they didn't have the majority? Or do you think, like a lot of conservatives think, any check and balance against the potential Hillary Clinton presidency is better than no check and balance against a Hillary Clinton presidency, mm-hmm. I ask you? I lean towards Daniel. There are undeniably pros, but they're all theoretical. And they're all the same pros that we've had over the last year on multiple fronts and that we've been not only disappointed on, but just deeply disappointed on. So the actual uh, notion of uh, Kentucky Senator, the ditch, going away, I, I, that just, I sit there, I can sit in that all day long, watching him have to go into the minority and watching uh, the Senate, all, all the, the Republican senators have to deal with the fact that th- this whole thing is on them. Uh, that's an, that'll be an important realization and, and perhaps the only thing that would wake them up and get them to do their duty. Could, could, and perhaps they could be more effective as a minority. Not perhaps. My goodness, they weren't effective at all as a majority. But uh, every pro I can think of is rational. It's lucid, but it's also theoretical and almost never acted upon. So I'm with Daniel. Aaron, what do you think? I've got a little bit uh, a different take on this. I think the pro of keeping control of the, the Senate for Republicans is that it might hasten the death of the Republican Party even quicker uh, with more and more um, outrage, with more time to get outraged at the, um, you know, the F's abounding in those uh, those lists of senators that I uh, that Meaning I you don't off. think they will they will be a check and balance <laughs> exactly they'll, they'll that, barely yeah. be a speed any, bump any, which would further fuel the anger any any check and balance is better than no check and balance would actually assume that you know a check and balance See, exists just, I want off that ride man Aaron I want off that ride so bad can't we just go in the minority then now 
What's that? Can't we just go into the minority now? Do we no, really? No, then they'll start talking like us, and then people will get fooled even more. Man. Well, see, it, this segment is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> see, if I, my my reasoning is, if they're in there um, for, or if they're out of there, uh, and they're replaced by a Democratic challenger, then we reboot this whole freaking process over again. People, uh, things get worse, and people blame it on the Democrats, so they go back to the Republicans, and it's the old, same old sick cycle. I think the more the Republicans or the longer that they're in the control, the quicker the death will come. What do you think, Kim? Well, you know, I think that if we held the Senate and the House, then, you know, they'll defund Planned Parenthood. They'll, um, you know, refuse to uh, fund Obamacare. Mm -hmm. They're going to impeach Hillary Clinton um, in the House. They'll they'll reduce spending. Let's see. What else will they do? Um, They'll protect our Second Amendment rights. Wait. No. No, they won't. They will bring us salvation. It, I forgot that. That was most. I should have led with that. He <laughs> forgot you, you, the Jesus juke. <laughs> there, there, there's nobody here that believes they will do anything, anything substantive at all. Uh, um, why should we? No. Nothing. What happens? What happens if Republicans lose the Senate and maintain the House? What happens then? Because I think the likelihood of the the likelihood of of the of the Democrats winning the House, I would put it less than twenty five percent. All right, and where you could actually, even though I think the chances that James Comey's James Comey's aforementioned investigation will find a way to be done within the next ten days are slim and none, and slim is on his second trip through the buffet line. Okay, uh, that the the hint of that story. That is, it could that that I could see that having a political impact in helping Republicans make the argument: Hey, you need us to be a check and balance against Hillary Clinton. You want us to remain in the majority. But what if that doesn't work, and the Democrats have the Senate, but the House really? That's where all the appropriations actually begin constitutionally. Mm-hmm. That would that would put the hottest of hot potatoes in Paul Ryan's lap, would it not? I mean, do you would would you? Let me tell you, there's a lot of people in Washington. I would not want to be in that scenario. Number one on the list, and number two, and number three, and number four, and number five, and number six, and number seven, right on, it's Paul Ryan. Uh, I mean, of all the people in Washington, I wouldn't want to be in that scenario. The first ten people on that list are all named Paul Ryan. Could you imagine, Todd, having that hot potato in your lap in this atmosphere and you're the last line of defense against Hillary Clinton, and you know she will not negotiate on anything. She'll just try to follow Obama's lead. Well, it's government shutdown, or I get everything I want. There's nothing there in between. Could you imagine the predicament he would find himself in? Are you saying the potential for colossal embarrassment is greater from him in that scenario than from Mitch McConnell's yes. thing? Yes, yeah. Because he's the only, he's the, there, there is no, I mean, look at what McConnell has gone away. He hasn't been seen this entire campaign. And so Ryan's already the, the guy that's been out there getting bludgeoned by Trump and his minions. Now imagine that Ryan is the only leader with an R after his name with any power in Washington at all. He's the only stopgap between Hillary and her agenda. 
Can you see where that would, where, I mean, that, that is, Kim, I think that's unwinnable from a political standpoint. Well, he'll just juke right over and say, you know, this is what the government that the people gave, so we have to get things yeah, done. John Boehner tried that. It cost him his speakership. Yeah. I still think he'll do that. And yeah, he'll, it yeah, he'll do that. Oh, yeah. It'll cost, yeah and, but, you know, let me tell you, if in that scenario, if you were thinking about working for the Paul Ryan 2020 presidential campaign, have a plan B, because you're right, that is what he will do, but you will see his presidential prospects implode yeah. if he does. And I want to see which senators will actually pressure him. You know, you got Cruz and Paul and Lee. He's like his fellow Wisconsinite, Scott Walker. You know, they, they like a, a clean sheet. They're bean counters. It, Social Security was one thing, but Obamacare is absolutely broken. Can't he succeed on Obamacare in this moment? He's got it. How? He's, how, I, how would he stop it? Exit question. Over under on Republicans in the U.S. Senate after the election is 51. Taking the over or the under, Kim? <clears throat> Excuse me, under. Todd? Barely over. Under. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was. Let's continue with Issue 3, a Cloward Piven update. Federal regulators opened up the federal exchange healthcare.gov for consumers to browse for plans this week as they announced that rates will be up 25% for the plans for which the tax subsidies are calculated. The Department of Health and Human Services also warned that more than one in five consumers using the site will only have one insurer from which to choose coverage. As concerns grow about much higher rates in many states, officials emphasized that the vast majority of people shopping on healthcare.gov will pay less than $100 a month for premiums when tax credits are included. More than 70% of people will pay less than $75 a month after tax credits. Healthcare.gov handles individual insurance sales for those who live in the 38 states that don't have their own exchanges. The second lowest cost silver plan on the exchanges is the benchmark plan that regulators base tax credits on. That's the rate that's up 25%, which is also the expected overall increase in 2017. First question, do you believe Obamacare is imploding as it was designed to, Todd? Or is the Obama administration really blindsided by all of this, I ask you? It's somewhere in the middle. Do you remember the rollout, the computer sign-up program, and what an absolute joke that was? You know, the, that wasn't intended to be that bad. Did they they want something that was you know, functional enough to transition uh, to single-payer? Absolutely. The, if you want something to implode, though, you, you risk a populist backlash. And if we had decent leadership in the Republican Party, we'd be something closer to it because they'd be able to advocate how we move away from this, what we move towards. So they, did they? It was it ever the utopia that they painted for us? Was it ever going to be that? Absolutely not. Did they want it to crash and burn as hard as this during the almost the entire length of the Obama presidency? I don't think that. They just wanted it to kind of fits and starts, move along, until they got to the point where there was enough political will to go to single payer. What do you think, Kim? 
Um, I think it's doing exactly what it's designed. I agree with you, um, Todd, that you you can't always control the timetable on it, but from its inception, and you can go all the way back to Hillary Clinton in 1994 when she was trying to do this, and that was a single-payer system. That was a pure European-style, Canadian-style single-payer system. And that's where they want to go. That's where it's going back to. I mean, lots of people at the time said, this is what's going to happen. Your rates are going to go up. Your care is going to be rationed. You're not going to have the health care that you think you... um, should have or deserve. Um, so this is the design. Um, another thing is you look at how many doctors are leaving the profession, how many that they are already saying are not, you know, they're going to have like a $90,000 doctor, doctor shortage by 2025. This is meant to implode. How much of a hot potato is it, does everybody think, for Hillary Clinton's first big national public failure was taking on the health care thing under her husband's presidency. If she becomes president, one of the first things she has to take on is caving Obamacare. How big of a deal is that, that that's right on her plate? But it'll move right towards what she wanted. That'll be her rationale that's, for yeah, what she that's wants. that's her victory. Yeah, this I mean, is, that's, that's so, her... This is, you should have listened to me this back is, then. This is her mandate. Yeah. I mean, Do you think is, it actually works to her advantage more than is... Uh, if she can avoid the shrapnel uh, between now and, and November 8th, once we get into yeah. actually governing, we're back to the same conversation we just had, Aaron. Does anybody really believe the Republicans are going to put a, a substantive resistance? Are they? They're willing to go I mean, to the what, wall. What evidence would we I mean, have? Hillary, Hillary's good. Here's in the last 15 years. Here is the choice President Hillary will present. I promise you, this will be the choice. Um, an Obamacare fix that moves us dramatically to some form of a single payer or a government shutdown, no in between. Right. And that, and that is the fix that she, and that is the solution she and will we offer. We can't shut down the government, she, Steve. So, so tell me what Speaker Ryan, if he's yeah. on his own. Today, 538 forecast, a 67% odds Democrats will take the Senate, okay? So if she's on her own, or I'm sorry, if Paul Ryan is on his own, tell me, tell me where, where, where the wiggle room is there between, because we can't, you know, shutdowns, can't have that, yada, yada, yada. So if, if it's shut down or give me everything I want, which is what it's been under Obama, people say, well, Steve, the Republicans haven't, haven't, haven't passed any of Obama's budgets. No, they just passed continuing resolutions to, continue, to keep the government open. So if it's just more of the same, continuing resolutions to keep the government open, and, or, or, and, or we just let, or we shut the government down, where's the in-between there, Aaron? Uh, there's not, and if you're looking for evidence to uh, think that the Republicans will fight on this, I got nothing for you, especially not in the last 15 years. And quickly, to answer the original question, uh, I think uh, Obama, or the Obama administration, was completely blindsided like this, but in a, uh, about this, but in a good way. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Trump three or four months into his uh, candidacy back in the primaries, realizing like, oh, wow, this con is actually working better than I anticipated. That's the kind of blindside that they, that they had with this. Exit question. Will we see some kind of single-payer health care system in the next four years, regardless of who wins the presidency, Kim? Yes. 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 The answer is yes. It won't be a European style. It will be delivered through private insurers, but government will set all the rates, all the coverages, and do all the regulation and collect all the money. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Here on the Day Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Salem Radio Network. Issue four, a preview 
of the next four years. A lay minister who is suing the Georgia Department of Public Health for religious discrimination has been ordered by the state's attorney general to relinquish his sermons to the government, according to federal court documents. Attorney General Samuel Olins wrote to attorneys representing Dr. Eric Walsh, quote, please produce a copy of your sermon notes and or transcripts, end quote. Ominous words, but Dr. Walsh says he won't comply with the request. He said, quote, no government has the right to require a pastor to turn over his sermons. I cannot and will not give up my sermons unless I'm forced to do so. Walsh, a Seventh-day Adventist lay minister, had been hired in May 2014 as a district health director with the Georgia Department of Public Health. A week later, a government official asked him to submit copies of his sermons for review. He complied, and two days later, he was fired. His attorneys said the government was curious about sermons Dr. Walsh delivered on health, marriage, sexuality, world religions, science, and creationism. He also preached on what the Bible says regarding homosexuality. He has since filed a federal lawsuit charging state officials with engaging in religious discrimination. Dr. Walsh has assembled a powerhouse legal team comprised of Parks, Chesson, and Walbert, along with First Liberty Institute, one of the nation's most prominent religious liberty law firms. Jeremy Dice from First Liberty is Dr. Walsh's lead attorney. He says the state could hold Dr. Walsh in contempt of court if he doesn't turn over all pertinent documents, but the reasoning for demanding he turn over some sermons is very feeble. One of the things that they had said early on was that, oh, no, 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 we didn't fire Dr. Walsh because of his sermons. Uh, we fired him for, for other reasons. Well, my goodness, if he didn't fire him for his sermons, why on earth is the government asking for his sermons all of a sudden? No doubt this could be a preview of years to come. First question, Todd, is there any way this election in the subsequent four years turns out well for Christians and their consciences? What say you? It's going to be brutal. We are, but we are transitioning from the time of the Pharisees to the time of the prophets, and there are blessings in that. Uh, we will find a clear, unfettered, unapologetic, uncompromising just letting it fly and letting God deal with the outcomes level of truth from corners that are unexpected and are quite beautiful, and I can't wait to see what they are. But the the time when the prophets rise is always when it's dark. So that's a it's a paradoxical answer. It, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough to the point where folks like us have got to get very real about the possibility of spending time in jail. Kim? I agree completely. I mean, I was thinking, you know, in this world we'll have tribulations, but, you know, take courage. I've overcome the world. And so I look at this and think um, we're going to be shown over and over again the faithfulness of God. And um, as fearful as some people might be on that, I, I take comfort in that, knowing that he's got he's in control of this. I'm going to be the jerk here. I uh, submitted and uh, recommended this question be asked, and the premise is flawed. The premise is that there is actually, this is left up to chance, that this is going to turn out well for Christians and their conscience. This is not something that's left up to chance. This is a determination that each one of us has to make. Are we going to follow our conscience or aren't we? And the answer to that question is going to de determine whether we end up better. It also may determine whether we end up in jail, quite frankly. But the answer to that question is going to determine whether we end up better on the other side of this or not. Here's the thing 
we're here for this confrontation. Yeah. Right? I mean, the reality is that prior to prior to notions that we now take advantage of, or we, we take for granted, I should say, in, in, in the West, um, there was never teenagers prior to you know, the post-industrial revolution Western civilization. The idea that you'd have this extended adolescence. No, you were a kid, and then you hit puberty, you hit, you hit puberty and then it was time to start thinking about, you know, how you're going to pull your weight um, as a spouse and as a, as a, as a worker. Uh, the, the idea of middle class. Uh, there, there never really has been a middle class in this world except for the post-industrial revolution Western uh, civilization. So this idea that there would be this this quiet life that average people would be allowed to live um, in relative peace unless there were external threats, as we have seen uh, in the past, um, but, but, and, and that there was a reasonable expectation that you would just automatically pass this on to your kids and they would be in better position than you started. This has never, none of these things have, has really existed in the history of the faith for its first two millennia, except for the last couple of hundred years. Maybe less. Oh, yeah, less. So the reality is, even though this, these, some of these ideals are foreign to us in this era as believers, you know, the book of Hebrews talks about us living out our faith in front of a large cloud of witnesses, right? Well, that large cloud of witnesses that, that, that you know, that we follow in their footsteps in the faith, this was what we're talking about entering into potentially now was the normal, was the normal that they faced, and even in even in earlier eras of Western civilization, depending on if the Catholic, if the king was Catholic or, or queen was Catholic or Protestant, or you were Catholic or Protestant, you faced this even in a so-called Christian country at the time, right? So this this is not unusual in Christendom. It's the norm. It is unusual though for us, right? And and so I think that will be that will be a difficult transition for generations that have been able, because of the way that this country has been blessed, to take for granted a certain level of, of peace and solitude and baseline prosperity that, Todd, really, that's never existed in the history of this faith except for limited, you know, outbursts for the first two millennia of, the, of this religion. Which is why we have not reacted clearly, looking in hindsight, to many of the plates where we could have taken a stand because we have been cru- on cruise control. And it is unfortunately going to take a, a a breaking point level that is way, way too late to get things turned around. And I mean, the, the game, the horse will have left the barn when we finally decide to stand and fight. And then it's just going to be a rear guard action and you're trying to scrap some level of civilization together. I think about uh, my kids. Within the, they are going to see... Uh, they're going to be faced with a level of decisions, a level of ostracization that none of us, and, and we've faced some. But what's coming down the road for them, ouch. Exit question. Compare and contrast how you believe religious liberty will be altered based on whether Trump or Hillary wins on November 8th. Kim? It has to do with the speed at which the attacks will come. Todd? Like I said, our kids. Uh, religious liberty, we always have it, but uh, some of us are going to be in jail. The answer is Trump will do nothing to protect it. Hillary will aggressively attack it. You're listening to Steve Dace.
All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. So we've spent most of this hour taking a look back. It is now time to take a look ahead. Let's talk predictions. Kim, you can begin. Um, okay, I'm going to do a sports prediction. It's going to be the Cubs winning the World Series. Don't ask me how many games to whatever, but that's, that's my, my sports prediction for y'all. Well, that was my preseason pick, that the Cubs would win the World Series. They're three games away. Uh, game three is happening as we speak. Todd. Megan Kelly post-election is going to become the most powerful TV media presence since Walter Conkite. Oh, stop. No, let it not be true. Do, do you see... Uh, well, I better... I mean, let, it, it, we are in such Let a, it not be true. Last night, uh, what... I mean, what she was wearing, I mean, it was it was as if she was off to the ball. I, there's just the, 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 it's like when more and more women came into sports talk and were on the sidelines. And now it seems like they're hosting every sports show. There is a, a, a level of her, her being preened that. Is there's something there's wizard some I, I sense something Wizard of Oz like I don't even have quite the words for it but there is there's a seduction going on there that is happening that I think is um, it's gonna I don't know what it's gonna look like but it's gonna be weird. Aaron, I'm uh, going. I've been invited to a murder mystery party on Saturday night. I'm going as Omari Black, a radio personality. I have to buy a mask. My prediction is that um, I will not be the murderer. I am a suspect. Uh, I will not be the murderer, but I might kill myself after this. So, That's your prediction? Yeah. That's kind of an easy one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your prediction? Oh, yeah. Oh, you can't, you can't, well, yes, you can, you're the guy who writes the front of my checks, but I've had some good predictions over the last uh, few weeks or so. I'm not picking preseason football games anymore, Steve. Wow. Um, We're going to have the first actual college football rankings come out on Tuesday, the ones that actually matter, the college football playoff rankings. I predict the top four, because those are the numbers that really matter, because it's four teams get into the playoffs. The top four will be Alabama, who's off this week. They will be number one. I think Michigan will be number two, uh, but uh, but will not cover that spread against Michigan State. They'll win, but it's not going to be like 50 to 10 or whatever that ridiculous spread is. I think Washington will be number three. Uh, I think that uh, the game will be closer than the odds makers in uh, the desert believe against against Utah on the road, but I think they'll be number three. And even though I think they're going to lose on Saturday night, I think Florida State's going to beat Clemson on Saturday night. I think when the playoff committee takes a look at the three top one-loss teams, Clemson, Louisville, and Ohio State, they will decide that Clemson's victory over Louisville is the best win any of them have. So even though Clemson, I think, loses to the Seminoles Saturday night, I still think they will be in the top four when the playoff rankings are released on Tuesday. That's my prediction. We'll come back. Hour three is next. You're listening to Steve Dace.
are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. All right, back with hour number three here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll get to some of the feedback that you've sent to us via Steve at SteveDace.com. That's the email address. D-E-A-C-E, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. But first, it's time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. That time of the night when our producer Aaron gets to decide what we're going to discuss for the next few minutes. He asks us three questions about any three things. He can ask us whatever he would like, provided he answers the same questions himself. Aaron? Thank you, Steve. First question, what's one non-TV product you've never thought you or anybody else would need, but now that you have it, you don't think you could go back? There's several of those, but DVR, man. And when and the first it, we got TiVo, but then it became DVR and we went to DirecTV. But isn't that a TV product, though? Isn't that what you were talking yeah, about? A non-TV. Oh, yes. <laughs> Come on, focus, taste. He's <laughs> down in his man cave, in his mind, That's and in the his thing, heart. The TiVo and the DVR become uh, become so integral to me. I don't even see it as <laughs> like my brothers TV. to me. I see it as a, its own separate thing. Like <laughs> TV is what you do when you watch stuff as it happens. DVR and TiVo is what I do when I watch it when it's convenient for me. Um, wow. Let me, th- you know what? Let me think about that now because now my dreams have been crushed. Todd, you go first. I was too busy mocking you to think of my own. Um, I can help us all out here. I mean, okay, it, it, it's mobile phones. Isn't it our mobile phones? Trying to be, uh, yes, but I'm trying to be at least. I, are you trying, thought, are you, are you trying, trying to preemptively to, Jesus juke? No, him? I'm trying to like think of sham. <laughs> I, I didn't, Kim was going to come back with, I didn't think I'd get back with my great grandmother's Bible. That's but, 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 but lo and behold, I mean, it, it, let's yeah. face it. That's where she was. I was gonna, trying to go sham. Wow. Something, you know, like that, that just totally revolutionized my life. I, I always thought that heated seats in cars were the dumbest thing for you know the wa- no, yeah, these just, are this is a but, dude code violation is but, it not heated uh, seats no. oh, but no. man I mean I, oh this is in, why the terrorists win we're gonna admit this <laughs> no I they mean, get those so that the women in their lives are more comfortable yeah that's exactly right Todd why do you not want women to be comfortable <laughs> <laughs> I could work hey, for the mainstream. Listen, media. buddy, I I live in a house with five women. Even my dog is a woman. So listen, I, I, my job is to make women feel comfortable. That's what I do, twenty four seven. Yeah, I don't think I could. I don't think I could go back uh, without uh, without seated, heated seats. So. Kim, oh, this is going to sound really lame, but it's because I've been trying to help. Um, my mother in law has passed away, as you guys know, a couple months ago, and so just getting her house ready. For sale, so you've got the Norwex products and the Magic Mr. Clean kind of eraser thing is sweet. Cool. 
end of conversation. I have to say, when she, went, not... when she went down the road of a deceased family member, I thought for sure we, we I thought I for went sure to cleaning products. we were getting Jesus juke nope. and we were going to look even worse <laughs> when we walked out of here than we did when we came in. Uh, Steve? Uh, mobile phone. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. My bad. Uh, you can always uh, submit questions you would like to hear asked on three questions. Aaron at Steve Dace is the email address. You can ask those like Dr. Eugene Ohm, who asks question number two. Which Lord of the Rings character do you most admire and why? He says mine is Samwise because of his courage, selflessness, and loyalty to his friend. Aragorn. Uh, I would say Aragorn because of his understanding of the true limitations of our ability to say no to power. The, the, his understanding of the, the, the true allure of idolatry, of, of, of self-centeredness. And, and despite the fact that um, he is a born leader, uh, despite the fact that uh, he is, um, uh, that he inherits a legacy of power, um, he is willing to say no to it which is the most powerful thing of them all. So I would say Aragorn. Yeah, well, I, I can't follow that just for the sake of doing something different. I'll pick, uh, I'll pick Gandalf, and his mission is clearly to seek power in humility. And that is our calling as Christians. That will increasingly be our calling going forward after this election to not be caught in the trappings of having the seat at, at the table be fine be comfortable with be calling all the right names because that means we are in the service of the lord because he told us that would happen i mean that's one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves as christians that you know we're supposed to be comfortable it's a fraud i'm gonna go with um galadriel when she refused the ring and she passed the test mm. I, I thought that was beautiful same reasons. Same. Yes. Uh, same reasons that, that I chose Aragorn. Yep. Yeah, I would probably say um, Gimli and uh, Legolas, because it's a great. I, I think it's a great picture of unlikely friendships coming together, getting past uh, prejudices and, and differences over the years. And um, look at you buying seeking, the world to cope. You, yeah, seeking <laughs> seeking unity within. Oh, Gimli's so funny too. I mean, like certain death. What are we waiting for? You know, I instantly gravitated to. A male character, but I was, as a as a father of four daughters, there is that powerful scene. Uh, not Aowen, the um, our no Aowen. It is Aowen, not Arwen, the not the elf, but the 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 daughter of of the king. And he she's talking with uh, Aragorn and uh, about f wanting to fight. And and she said she gives that great speech about wanting to not be felt like her whole life is locked in the cage. Just let me do something anything it's a beautiful moving speech it's simultaneously it, it's a it's a warrior but it, it, with a great degree of femininity to it i love the balance nice brandon dixon asks question number three i've been giving some consideration to going back into law school however i recently had a dream where i had to drop out of law school because i failed to study for a final exam it was horrible as i left the classroom completely disparaged steve dace showed up how would each of you interpret the meaning of your appearance, appearance in someone else's dream were you to appear in it? Um, oh, just take it right now. It's prophetic. If I'm appearing... If, 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 the, the day after Steve appears in my dreams, I'm coming in and I say, I need a week of vacation, buddy. <laughs> I just need some time. No, he met with... 
you with were in any, someone's dream. Yeah, you were in someone. Yeah, yeah. Not just Steve. Right, but we're interpreting. Yeah. yeah how would you? In, how would you, you interpret someone telling you, Todd, you were in my dreams see. last night? It would depend. Right. It would depend on what what the dream was. Don't you think? I mean, don't you think you need to know what the dream was about? Why was Why was I in your dream? On second thought, do I no, want to know? No, you do not. <laughs> do I want to know? So we're back to where I was. <laughs> Needing a vacation. vacation. Speaking of potential dude code violations, yeah, you, I think that is one. If you say that out loud? I don't think a dude goes up to another dude and says, you were in my dreams no, last No, you night. do not. Is that, is, that, is that a dude code violation, do you think? Well, it depends. I mean, I if know. you were like puking and you were in, <laughs> you know, in jail, then... Have you have uh, Aaron, you are you are eerily silent as Todd and I discuss the enforcement of That's the That's because code. I was just about to say something that would have gotten me fired. Um, <laughs> I think that de- is definitely a, a, a violation of the my, dude code. My, uh, it's an interesting question, but a violation non- nonetheless. My answer is, don't ever come up to me and tell me I was in your dream last night in any connotation, I, I in told, any context. That's my answer. I told Brandon, I replied to him, and I told him, I'm, I'm guessing we're going to get some sort of answer from all of us, like, um, you know, your, your the, the meaning be t- be behind us showing up in your dreams is probably something like you had bad pizza last night. That's that's the answer that I gave him, and that's probably what my answer would be, too, if somebody told me I, I was in their dreams. It's like my teenage daughter says to me, you made it awkward. <laughs> you just made it awkward. So, so... Don't. But it doesn't have to be awkward. <laughs> really? No. Then that, tell me what, what. That wasn't weird. Then, then please tell me, Kim. By all means, reveal to us <laughs> in what context is you were in my dreams last night. Not awkward. Well, because you know, if you're like good friends or something, you could could have done something um, funny or dramatic or adventuresome or you know, it doesn't have to be weird maybe you were starting the revolution you're doing your patrick henry thing i don't know yeah that could be see it's not and weird. What's, oh what's, so you're having it, it, dreams about me where you admire me then hmm, i wonder what that means see my point no matter there's no okay, way this so doesn't get now twisted. it's getting awkward yes yeah, because it's okay. okay. all right i'm with there's you no context Two, in which it is okay. not awkward 17 in the last days god says i will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This is, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. Steve showing up in people's dreams. Oh. I, I think it's a fulfillment of something. Probably not prophecy. You're listening to Steve Dace. Pine, you decide. You're listening to Steve Dace. Now for something completely different. We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. See, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going. It is the Nightly Buzz. This is when we go back and take a look at all the news we didn't have time to cover earlier in the show, which is pretty much everything else that happened in America today, since, like everybody else, uh, tonight all we did was spend most of our time talking about what happened with uh, the Comey announcement on Hillary's emails earlier this afternoon. So let's find out what else is trending on social media and uh, also at your water coolers. And, and Aaron has those headlines. We'll have the hot takes.
Thank you, Steve. First story, President Barack Obama on uh, Thursday commuted the uh, sentences of 98 inmates, most of whom were convicted on nonviolent drug charges. That was according to a White House announcement. With Thursday's announcement, that brings the total number of sentences commuted by Obama during his presidency to 872 individuals, 688 in 2016 alone, more than the previous 11 presidents combined. The White House is also pretty proud of that. Uh, These individuals, according to the White House uh, statement, uh, many of whom made mistakes at a young age who have diligently worked to rehabilitate themselves while incarcerated. Again, that is according to White House counsel Neil Eggleston. The communications are part of a White House push to bring existing sentences, many given under the conditions of strict mandatory minimums, and no longer in place in line with current standards. This is going to be an interesting issue. Uh, going forward, because this is also an issue that some people on the right are wanting to adopt as well. It's causing a lot of division on the right. Uh, they're, uh, between people that might, might have more of a libertarian bent and those who may have more of a law and order, and I don't mean that in the Donald Trump context, but I mean that in a traditional uh, law and order uh, conservative context. And I mean, you, you can see it, for example, at Conservative Review, where the highest scoring senator we have is Mike Lee. And he is an advocate of variations of what Obama has implemented here. And our very own Daniel Horowitz, who is essentially our chief policy analyst at Conservative Review, he refers to this as jailbreak. That's how he refers to it. And it's completely against it. So I, I think this will be one of the fascinating policy debates to, to, that will occur the next few years. And I think a lot of it may ultimately be driven by the behavior of these individuals once they are released. I think that if... If they show that they are willing to turn over a new leaf, by and large, um, then I think the momentum that is on the side of this issue will continue. But the first time we have somebody go Willie Horton, um, you're going to see a lot of that, particularly on the right. Yeah, a lot of that's going to evaporate, I think, right away. Yeah, this is an area, at least in theory, that I do disagree with Daniel. I I have no problem with uh, President Obama immersing himself in this World more. In fact, I think it, this has been an afterthought to many a president that, uh, you know, they're given a list right there at the end before they walk out of office and they do something about this. This this could be justice well served in almost all cases if it's done diligently. So, again, in theory, I have I mean, there's a long list of things that where Obama has usurped his authority. This is not necessarily one of them or even close yeah i agree with todd and um then again with mike lee i look at this a non-violent um offenders drug offenders i i think like you said if they come out and they've been rehabilitated and we don't find any of the more you know they don't turn violent um i think this is all going to be a good thing Next story, a jury delivered an extraordinary blow to the government in a long-running battle over the use of public lands when it acquitted all seven defendants involved in the armed occupation of a national wildlife refugee in rural southeastern Oregon. Tumult erupted in the courtroom Thursday after the verdicts were read when an attorney for group leader Ammon Bundy demanded his clients to be immediately released and repeatedly yelled at the judge. U.S. Marshals tackled attorney Marcus Mumford to the ground, used a stun gun on him several times, and arrested him. U.S. District Judge Anna Brown said she could not release Bundy because he still faces charges in Nevada, stemming from an armed standoff at his father Cliven Bundy's ranch two years ago. 
The Portland jury acquitted Bundy, his brother Ryan Bundy, and five others of conspiring to impede federal workers from their jobs at the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge, uh, Refuge uh, 300 miles southeast of Portland. The jury could not reach a verdict on a single count of theft for Ryan Bundy. Even attorneys uh, for the defendants were surprised by the acquittals. The attorney got tased? Mm-hmm. Wow. There you go. This, this will have repercussions in the future as well. And I think it is likely to incentivize further actions like this. And I think it's likely to embolden them. And I think similar to the conversation we were just having, uh, folks, about uh, jailbreak or uh, sentencing reform, depending on how you want to look at it, the behavior of those like the Bundys, how they behave when they are emboldened, will determine whether uh, the, country, the rubber band snaps back here or not. I mean, if these are essentially uh, acts of, uh, I think, civil disobedience is a little bit strong. I mean, they're essentially going to make the argument, we're, we were actually enforcing private property laws. You know, that's what we were doing. So uh, this is more like a citizen's arrest than civil disobedience. But if they're able to do this while maintaining some form of decorum, I think it has the potential to be the sort of politically incorrect, powerfully populist movement the left just hates the most. But the minute they step outside the lines, the, the minute they the minute they color outside the lines, the minute they lose their cool, whatever they're trying to accomplish, I believe, will get completely blown up and undone in an instant. This reminds me very much of Black Lives Matter versus the cops. Uh, there are principled concepts on both sides, but there are people living on the fringes of both sides. I mean, again, you have you have go- grotesque government malfeasance versus a that the Oregon standoff that, as you addressed instantly, Steve, made zero sense in its execution. I mean, you took a righteous stand down in forgive me, uh, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, and you just decided to jump in your camper and take it uh, uninvited up to uh, Oregon. So this all depends. Uh, this is Donald Trump and Hillary Land. Who, whose malfeasance is more grotesque at any given time? Because you, 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 this lesser of two evils thing, people are going to react to it. You can, you can be kind of halfway off the reservation, but if the side you're fighting against can't control itself as it is full off well then it's a win for you and then i'm looking at um the idea of civil disobedience and you're talking about what's the best way to do it and you looked at martin luther king jr and how you know he did some of his best work in when he was writing in birmingham jail so i look at this and and see that there's a great potential for um empowering uh, civil disobedience when it's necessary and i'm also looking at what the government is doing in north dakota with regard to the bakken pipeline We'll see what they do with that. One uh, last story uh, this Friday evening for the Nightly Buzz. Malaysia blew a fuse over a conference on robot sex. So the show is now moving to London. The two-day December symposium on sex bots is set for London's Goldsmiths University after the second annual event was banned in Asia. This was a contender out of the box for uh, this week's Sign of the Apocalypse. I didn't really want to spend four minutes talking about this. So, Bless you, my son. <laughs> it sounds like another bad idea whose time has probably come. Feedback Friday is next. You're listening to Steve Dace.
The Bible and the Constitution don't just apply to Democrats. This is Steve Day. Let's get some of your feedback to close it out here on a Friday night, which you've sent to us via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, let's begin. I found this fascinating, and I'm not sure what I think about it, so I want to know what you guys think. Rafael Sanchez says to us, that Steve, you may be the Jim Harbaugh of conservatism, straightforward, conservative, and disciplined. However, when you battle with the Clinton cartel on the left, you have to realize you are up against the equivalent of Nick Saban and his NFL Preparatory Academy. You're a long way from the national championship without a modification of your game plan. The goal in football and politics is the same. Win, baby, win. What do you guys think about that? Maybe I'm fascinated because usually I'm the guy that makes the football analogies. Almost nobody ever makes the football analogy at me. So I was fascinated with his email. What do you think? No. No? No. Why no? You, well, it's the gospel. You shouldn't do evil that good may come of it. It's not complicated. Well, okay. Because I agree with him that the goal is to win. Don't yeah. we have to define what winning is? Mm-hmm. Don't we have to define what winning is, right? Don't we have to acknowledge what what does winning look like? And I think that's something that is going to be discussed after this election is over. I think for a lot of people, winning is just the Democrats lost. You know, and it's it's I dealt with this when I used to own Cyclone Nation, an Iowa State fan publication. I couldn't tell sometimes if some Iowa State fans were more excited when their team won or Iowa lost. Right. And and you get this with with inferiority complexes when you're not used to winning, when you're not the when you're not the winning brand, when you're when you're not the dominant in, in the in the rivalry, when you're not the dominant entity, you're some you're, you're a lot of times when you're that fan of that team that's the, that's the that's the subordinate and not the dominant, you are oft you often allow yourself to get to be defined by what what brings misery to your rival, to your competitor, rather than the advancement of your own brand because your brand doesn't ever really advance. Are we seeing this on the right? Are we starting that, that now we are that team? We're that little brother team. That 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 we're the we're the small school in the state who hates the big school and and we don't even know what winning looks like. So really, we just get our jollies off of when the big school loses, and that's just good enough for us. That that our second favorite. You know what I'm saying? That we're that are we that kind of person now? I think way I think it's obvious way too many of us are now. I think we talked about. I think you were the one who brought this up, Todd, earlier this week. The idolatry isn't necessarily a candidate. It's the hatred of the other yeah, guys. I brought it up earlier today, yeah. That's, we, we are con- you're, you're dead on, Steve. We, we are consumed by that. And, and therefore, uh, if that's our principle, then it, it, it defaults to allowing us to do anything and everything to justify that endgame, hating her more. And hating her more is, uh, you know, ultimately is pushing to have her lose, uh, no matter what it takes. That's interesting. It's unacceptable. Because I look at it and say, we win. So you, you don't have to you know, do those things which are evil or unacceptable. Here's the thing, and I say this as somebody who is, on a personal note, I am enjoying watching what's, what's happened today. Mainly because this to, me is, this to me is justice. This family has gotten away with too much corruption for too long. Now, they, and they still may end up getting away with it here, too. We don't know. 
But as much as I think Trump is not morally qualified for the presidency, and that's not going to change no matter what we find out about Hillary Clinton, because those are separate entities in my mind. I would have been on a personal level. I, I, people have asked me, who would you rather have win? And I really don't care. I'm probably more interested in why they would win or lose. I would be, if you told me that, if you said Trump's going to win and it's because of the, the, the nationalistic race baiting and the, and, and, that, and the winks and the nods that he's given to the conspiratorial nutcases out there, that would dismay me. But if you're telling me now, however, that if you're telling me Trump could win because these people have finally been brought to justice, brought down by all the corruption that has followed them for how many decades, I have a much different feeling about that than I do. If Trump wins because of Pepe the Frog, if Trump wins because there's just a lot of really pissed off white people out there throwing a French Revolution type of mobocracy tantrum, I'm not into that. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be a part of that. And I can make a case for what I'm trying to advance. That's a worse scenario than even Hillary winning. And that's where my buddy Daniel Horowitz is at. Okay, but if you're telling me, though, that the reason that we that Trump would be successful is because they were brought they, they were brought down for the it's now this is where the fan thing does come in a little bit you know if you're telling me that we know this rival cheats we know they pay players and recruits to come to school there they fix grades and they get away with it all the time and finally they're going to get their comeuppance I'm okay with that aren't you guys okay with that yes that's justice mm-hmm. I don't want but but if so th- that's been I've been much more since I don't have a personal stake in either candidate I am much more interested in the reasons they would win or lose than who would win or lose in the first place. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. This is Steve Dace. All right, more of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Here's a good email from Nathan. Here on a Feedback Friday, he says, I'm from Australia. I started listening to you at the start of the year, and I've become a big fan of you guys' show. I'm 29, and while I've considered myself a Christian most of my life, it's only in the last year that I've had a real desire to know God better and follow my faith, and that's really grown. I have a question, though. I love to watch movies, especially horror films. I hear many Christians say Christians, other believers shouldn't watch them. I'd be sad if I had to give them up. I know you love movies, and I know you watch some horror films as well. So could you explain why you feel it's okay to watch them? Do you apply certain standards on level of violence, profanity, nudity, etc.? What about video games with violence? This is an excellent question, Nathan, and I am glad that you asked this. Um... When you do what I do for a living, meaning you're going to take a very, you're going to take a path to a narrow road into a broadcasting environment, you better have a map. You better have a plan. See, what's the old Mike Tyson line? He used to say back in the day, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Wasn't that the old Mike Tyson? Well, I think that's, back uh, that in the sounds day. right, yeah. All right, so, you know, we just had this conversation or variation with it with David A.R. White last night on the show. When you're going to take something that, that, that promotes a narrow road as the path to go, but into a, an arena of broad interests, like broadcasting, you better have a plan. And 
over the last few years, here is the plan that I have deployed. And, and I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow in St. Paul's footsteps. You know, Paul writes, I prayed and asked God three times to remove this thorn from my flesh, and he refused. And God told me, my, my am made strong in your weakness. My strength is sufficient for you, okay? And, and, and you know what Paul doesn't tell us? What the thorn in his flesh is. We don't know what it is. So I'm not going to give you a specific answer for a reason that I'm going to explain here in a moment. But, but Nathan, I'm going to answer your question with a framework that I use. To me, I, I, I break culture down into three, into three factions. What we can receive, what we must rege- what we what we sh- what we should redeem, and what we must reject. All right, let me repeat that. What we can receive, what we should redeem, and what we must reject. And when I take a look at engaging popular culture, I put everything in one of those three camps. So let's start with the last one, what we must reject. There are certain things God says we must reject, we must abstain from. And those things are made clear. Right? Those are definable evils. You know, if I have to, if I have to educate you on those things, open up a Bible. It'll tell you. It'll make it very plain. What, you know, like the story about the, the gal who's had her books pulled from Lifeway Books. She violated this. She is promoting something that God says we must reject. She is promoting it. She's, she's not promoting an LBGT event. No, she's a, she is, as a Christian mommy blogger, promoting something God's Word says we must reject. We must reject. And if, if, if this Christian mommy blogger was promoting premarital sex, saying, well, I'm okay with my daughter shacking up with her boyfriend, and Lifeway Books pulled her books for that, would there be a controversy? But it's the same thing, isn't it? We must reject. Listen, we're having a presidential election decided by the unrestrained sexual appetites of three men. Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, and Anthony Weiner. We're not talking about real issues that are going to impact the future of the country. Instead, this whole damn thing has been impacted by the unrestrained sexual appetites of these three guys. So don't tell me what God says we must reject, particularly on things of sexuality, doesn't matter. All right, don't pee on me and tell me it's raining. There are things we must clearly reject. Then there are things we, sh- we, we should redeem. But I think before we know what we should redeem, we have to know what we must reject. For example, can we redeem the porn industry? No. Like, like we couldn't do like Christian porn films with married couples and see, so I mean, Christians do it. No, that's not, no, no, no. That's not a redeemable construct. Can you redeem people out of that industry? Yes. Can you redeem the sex trafficking industry? No. You can redeem people out of it. You can try and shut it, but you can shut it down because it should be something that is rejected. There are some things that, some activities within culture that are not redeemable. Because to, 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 to acknowledge them up front, well, Steve, Jesus dined with sinners. He didn't sin with them. Didn't sin with them. He dined with them. Didn't sin with them. So there's certain things we must reject. And then when we know what we must reject, then I think we get a better idea of what we should redeem. And then there are things that we can just receive. And, and these are things that exist in a gray area. For example, if I move to a, a new town and, and the high school football team, the whole town revolves around this on a Friday night. 
well, I'm going to have a hard time engaging that town, loving my neighbor as I love myself, sharing my faith with others if I don't have a relationship with what is driving that town. Right? So go to the game. Be, part, be where everybody else is at. Receive that local custom. There's nothing wrong with that. Until the reception of that local custom causes, if it, until it were to cause you to lose your own integrity. Right? There's nothing wrong with voting in an election. There's nothing wrong with taking part in our partisan political process. That's the local custom around here. Until you begin to twist your identity as a believer to justify how you're participating in the custom, then you have crossed a line. And that looks different for other people. There's a great ministry in Las Vegas called Triple X Church. And their entire ministry is to try and redeem people out of the porn industry. They does some phenomenal work. That is not their ministry is is potent. It is prophetic. That is not a ministry I can serve in, because that's Icarus flying too close to the sun. That's that's an area in my life where I have had a weakness in the past. I can't go anywhere near that. On the other hand, maybe you grew up and you were in the bar scene, and you can't walk away from being a drunkard, and all the moral looseness that goes along with that. So, you know, you're not going to go with your pagan buddies to go watch a ball game at the sports bar. That's really not a big thing for me. So I'm fine walking in there, not having a drink or just having a beer once and walking out. And that's it. And it's not a big deal to me. It doesn't cause me to tempt fate or contemplate loosening my standards whatsoever. And see, that's why, Nathan, I'm going to be very hesitant about giving you anything specific. Your definition of a horror movie might be different than mine. You might be talking about stuff like Hostel. I'm talking about stuff like The Conjuring. Those are not the same kinds of movies. That's why I think it is important to have a framework more than a specific list of do's and don'ts. You're listening to Steve Dace. No other show sounds like him, because no other show would dare. This is Steve Dace. All right, we've reached the end of tonight's show. So before we head out here for the weekend, what did we learn here tonight, Todd? I'll start with you. What did you learn? That Smod has a glorious sense of humor. (laughs) This wiener thing is remarkable. We've been just... Hang, we've had our daubers down, as a great old baseball man used to say about this thing. But shouldn't we have counted on something like this coming? I mean, Anthony Weiner saves the day. It, it is truly and, – and I couldn't have said it better, Steve, uh, what you said about um, the unlicensed un- sexual practices of three men and how that's driving this thing. It, 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 that's, not even, that's not just hyperbolic. It is true. It is the zenith of where we are at right now on multiple fronts. I will say, Aaron, before I give you a chance to tell us what you learned tonight, you of everybody here have been the person that has really just peed in the Cheerios of this story the whole night. Mm -hmm. Your belief that this will not have much of an impact will, will be totally overblown by Election Day, that the die is already cast. If it is, if the New York Times report is true that this comes from the Anthony Weiner sex sexting investigation. That 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 is the source, don't you guys think, is going to cause probably more people than otherwise to kind of roll their eyes and simply say, New York say, Times? Yeah, no, the, the, no, that this came from Anthony Weiner's sexting mm-hmm. scandal. If that story is true, aren't, don't you think that is likely to cause a lot more people to say, 2016, man, as opposed to, oh, we busted her. You see what I'm trying to say? Do you think the source of that, if it is Anthony Weiner's scandal, people are going to be more inclined to say, laugh at it, maybe more so than be alarmed? 
think that's a distinct we possibility. To, I don't know. I think people are, are more interested in it. I mean, it's in, at some levels incredibly sad, and in others, it's funny. And it's like the New York Times or the New York Post. I, I think it makes it seem like the content on it must really be hot because even the FBI, if it was Wiener, they'd like, they would anticipate that and just shrug their shoulders like, we're not going to hang our head on Anthony Weiner. But if... if the, 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 whatever it, Anthony Weiner was not dumb, and he's clearly when he, when it's not dealing with he's not dumb. Well, I mean, I think he's, he's colossally dumb. I mean, he's dumb. He's he's you know he he's a reasonably intelligent in terms of I, I mean as a politician calculating. I mean, listen, Hitler is not a stupid the, the man, dude, but he was grotesquely evil. My the, point is that. Very smart people do very dumb things, and he's also very calculating. He might have how calculating some... do you have to be to sex your penis to an underage I'll girl when your daughter I'll... is sleeping hey. next to you in the bed? Are you really going to argue with that, 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 that this guy may have machinations to help pull himself out of this morass he's put? I mean, this is how people work. There's no way There's no way that we should say that Anthony Weiner is not capable of pulling something off like this. But look at his access that he's had. I mean, he knows how the game is played. He didn't suddenly lose that. Oh, so you think he's trying to shaft the Clintons, is what you think? Uh, that may be possible, okay, Kim, but... what you learn tonight, before we go? I was just going to go down the New York Post headlines. New Clinton emails found during Anthony Weiner sexting probe. Aaron, um, what'd you learn? God is in control, no matter what. I learned Providence has a sense of humor after all. John 3, 17. Listening to Steve Dace.